welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking to members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, recording at Moonyard Studio here in Tacoma, and my guest today is Tanvi Asur, a junior from Cupertino, California. Tanvi, hello. Hello. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honestly kind of a big fan. It's Well, it's my pleasure, and I was <laughs> excited to have you no matter what, because I like you. Okay, great. Um, but then as we were sitting down, you said you're a listener I to the podcast. I am a listener, yes. That was extra exciting. I love it. I think it's so awesome that you get to highlight people's experiences, whether they're a student or just a faculty member and everything in between. And it's really interesting to hear about people that I never even knew had certain interests and everything like that. Not to get overly meta, but does <laughs> it feel to you, since you have listened to some episodes of the podcast, like a pretty faithful representation of Puget Sound? I think so, because everyone that you've talked to has their fingers in so many different pies. Mm. <laughs> and I think when I think of a Puget Sound student, it is someone that has several interests and several niches and all of that. So I think it's very accurate. One of the things that we joke about is the concept of the and list. Mm-hmm. So like I'm a this major and a this major yes. and I have this minor I'm and guilty. I'm in this club. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that with you. But I agree with you that I think for the most part that is pretty common among Puget Sound students, mm-hmm. even if those interests aren't institutionalized. Yes. So for some people, it's I think it maybe feels more like a just list. Oh, I just have one major mm-hmm. or I just. But then you find out that those people are involved. They're doing art installations out in Tacoma sure. and they are writing poetry mm-hmm. and they are, you know, things that are maybe less bullet point oriented, but still experiential. Right. And mm-hmm. rich, filling filling their lives. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I know so many people that are in that category as well. Tanvi, before we get to your and list, which we will do, I wonder if we can go back and if you can talk a little bit about just how you ended up at Puget Sound. Where, did you know always you were going to go to college? Did you know it was going to be in the West? What was sure? What was a surprise? Sure. How did it happen? Of course. So I definitely knew that I was going to go to a four-year institution. Mm. I'm very guilty of the Silicon Valley Bay Area child trope (laughs) where I was expected by high school and family and friends and all of that because that's just what everyone from the Bay Area does. That being said, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And I think growing up somewhere as competitive as the Silicon Valley, like I complain about it all the time, but I'm very grateful that I had that upbringing and I had all those opportunities. But I knew I wanted to go to a college where I would be close to the water. Mm. So that was definitely on my need list when I was making, you know, a checklist for what I wanted in a university. And I really wanted it to be more inclusive and communal and I guess just encouraging then, again, the Bay Area trope of all of us competing for the same SAT scores Mm. or having the highest GPA and all of us just under constant pressure cooker of success. And that felt true to you in your high school experience. Yes, I think that's very true to my high school experience. Love my high school. Big shout out. Um, Those two things can be true at the same time. I completely agree. So I was looking for that environment and I really knew I wanted to go into something business related because... Again, the Bay Area, constant pressure to go into something STEM-related because, mm. you know, so many hubs like Apple and Google and all of those fun things are right there. So Is that what your parents do? My dad used to work for Apple, yeah. so yes. And then he had a startup for a little while. 
and then he works at a, I think it's a fi tech company in San Francisco now. So yes, he is very true to the um, Bay Area immigrant parents job experience for sure. Presumably okay with the idea of you not yes. wanting oh, to do 100%. that. Yes, yeah. um, 100%. Me and Elena were just talking about how we're both only children and I think right. my parents are my best friends and they were so supportive of me going sure. into a business field and they always, you know, used to drive me and my friends to our business competitions that we had that were competitive and all of that. So very, very supportive. Um, I found Puget Sound through one of my summer camp friends whose mom went here and she was an international business major, which I thought I definitely wanted to do. Mm. So looking more into it, I used to go to the high school visits that admissions counselors would do. Tori was actually my admissions counselor. Tori Hansen. Yes, love her. Um, So I did an interview with her. I stalked the syllabus of one of the business courses that I'm actually in right now. So that's awesome to be able to be like, I actually knew about this class. How did way you back do that? I went to the Puget Sound website, looked up the business leadership program, which I was very interested in applying mm-hmm. for, and went to the course curriculum, looked at, um, they had the syllabus on the course website. So I just, you know, knew all about the class and the professor. And I'm actually taking that same class with the same professor right Which now. Which professor is it? Um, it's Neela Weiss. She was the director of the business leadership program before I got here. And it's called Business at the Base of the Pyramid. And it talks about um, just global poverty and how businesses can help alleviate that and kind of social responsibility of businesses. And it's I still am amazed that I got into that class when, <laughs> like, three years ago, I was talking about it in my interview with Tori. Right. So... I was actually waitlisted for BLP and wasn't... Which, just for anybody who is not sure or is following, BLP is the Business Leadership Program, mm-hmm. which is by a separate application. So you can be a business major without being in the Business Leadership Program, um, but you can also apply to the BLP, which is a little bit more of a structured cohort experience. Yes, definitely. So I was waitlisted, came to do my visit, and um, got an email that I was off the waitlist and officially in the Business Leadership Program. At the same program. time as your visit? I think like a week after. Okay. So really solidified my decision. Um, And now I'm here thriving, loving business, loving my other academic interests. So that's kind of my origin story. Well, and you're almost anticipating my follow-up question, but Mm -hmm. one of the other things that has come up repeatedly as a theme on the podcast is people coming here with an image of what their life will be like Mm -hmm. in college, Mm -hmm. in the future. I'm doing quotation marks with my hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And then realizing that maybe things are going to unroll a little differently than they planned. Yes. You're still in the business leadership program. Mm -hmm. But what happened to make your life today look different than maybe how you imagined it when you were a senior in high school? Yeah, I can actually pinpoint that exact moment. Um, (laughs) It was my spring semester of my first year here where I accidentally took a couple of courses. I I did it because I needed the core requirement and I just signed up for the first couple of things that I saw. And I actually ended up developing such an interest in international political economy or IPE, Mm. which is my second major. And what is that? Um, I think I like to describe it best as um, the way that politics and the economy combine at a global level. So a lot of the courses I've taken revolve around international trade and finance. Um, You can relate it to things like consumer behavior around the world and how those things are influenced by trade deals and social trends Mm -hmm. and everything in between. So 
I'm writing my thesis right now for that major, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm writing it about how the United States is contributing to the global obesity epidemic. And I'm really looking into talking about, you know, NAFTA and other trade deals and Mm. um, how the process is to join the WTO and the influence that the United States has over all of that and hoping to kind of give some recommendations about how to better – contribute to nutrition and food sciences related to all of that. Are you far enough along in your thesis to expand on that anymore? That's Um, interesting. I'm I'm far enough along that I'm comfortable saying that and I don't know where else I will go with it. But I'm really looking forward to writing it. I prefer writing papers so much over tests and exams. (laughs) So I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be an experience that definitely shapes my professional life later on. And I imagine that what you just described, partly because of its specificity, Mm -hmm. but partly because of its maybe unique nature is the word I'm looking for, is markedly different from the kind of work you thought you might be doing when you started looking for business programs. Yeah, I think I definitely knew I wanted to do something with international relations. So I thought I would come here and be an international business major, but that required certain language requirements. And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to commit myself completely to that. But finding the IPE department allowed me to still have interests in trade and finance at a global level, but also um, relate those more to policy and decision making rather than exactly certain things like languages or culture. Although I am still very interested in those two facets of that area. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you have some other academic areas that mm-hmm. you have explored also. Yeah, I'm, I recently declared an Asian studies minor. It was actually after Professor Kanto came and spoke to all the tour guides about the Asian studies department. And I was sitting there. <laughs> and we should there. say you were also a tour guide. Yes, I am also a tour Which guide. Which is what you were doing in that meeting. <laughs> yes, I was I was listening to um, how to talk about the Asian studies department in a representative way with Professor Kanto, who's the director of Asian studies. And, and he's actually been on the podcast before. Oh, so yes. if anybody's interested in connecting the dots, they can go listen. <laughs> to Nick Kanto Georgiopoulos, Kanto, mm-hmm. short for Kanto Georgiopoulos, mm-hmm. uh, way back at the beginning of season one. Yes. I think maybe even our first guest ever on oh, the podcast, really? oh or maybe gosh. second. He sat in this chair. He sat in that same wow. chair you're sitting Am in I right now, now and made jokes about uh, which rock band he was most you like. You know, I've heard that he used to have a KUPS show. It's the first thing we talked about. Yeah. You I, can hear in his own words. Yes. I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, my thesis advisor is his co-host, ex-co-host, mm. Brad Dillman. So uh-huh. we talked about it in our last thesis meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could find archives of that. I'll well, keep looking. You, Yeah. If you find them, let me know. Okay. <laughs> um, and excellent advocate for the Asian Studies Department, both yes. on the podcast and evidently in this meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I realized that I had a lot of course requirements that checked out. I've taken a business in South Asia course. I took a Chinese economy course that I needed for my internship last summer. And I took an Asian feminist perspectives course. Mm -hmm. So I was three-fifths done with the Asian studies minor. And I went to him maybe the next day. And I was (laughs) very interested in the whole, hey, should I be an Asian studies minor now concept? So he definitely helped me a lot on making that decision and advocating for me. And you are now an Asian studies minor. Yes, I am now an Asian studies minor. Yeah. And you've, I think, had some experiences... um, that may have solidified your interest in that outside of the classroom, too. Yeah, I have. Um, I was actually on a couple of pilot study abroad programs. I did a short-term study abroad in Fuzhou, China, last January, and I did an internship in Beijing um, that was also funded by the same donors over the summer. And tell a little bit more 
about that? What did you do? Where did you go? Yeah. Had you spent time outside the United States before? Yeah. So um, my parents are South Asian, so they immigrated. So I've definitely been back and been to Singapore and India. And uh, I definitely had experiences with Asian culture and the differences between American and South Asian culture before. So I was especially excited to go to a completely different country. Right. Um, when I went to China in January, it was for a short field study. So we spent a couple of weeks each researching a certain topic through interviews because we stayed at a women's college that's partnered with the University of Puget Sound. And um, I studied marketing and propaganda in China. Mm-hmm. Which I is, bet there's lots oh, of material I can send there. I my YouTube video. Um, yeah, please. I was very, very into um, the structure of the cities we went to. We stayed in Fuzhou and also Shanghai. And I never really thought of myself as a big city girl before going to China. Um, and then I have I also got into an, a pilot program for the internship that I did. And I worked as a marketing and business development intern at a consulting firm in Beijing. And just... W- to the extent that you can, if you'll describe that experience a little mm-hmm. bit, because I imagine there's a lot at work in what you've just described, yes. right? You're mm-hmm. going to a country that you've only spent a limited amount of time there. Mm-hmm. I imagine that your language skills are maybe oh. developing. Oh, I feel like they've gone from zero to negative, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how does all of that play into you having an internship experience and having it be a, be a different experience than if you did an identical internship here in the U.S.? I think language barriers and cultural barriers are definitely something that you need to take into account. I think the nature of a big city, I mean, honestly, 26 million people is a lot of people. It's huge. It's huge. Um, So I think that those things definitely came into play. I had to learn how to use a subway system. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to order food in a language I didn't know and live on my own in terms of being in a new country. Um, I think... The support of the faculty and the professors that my group had, it was a small cohort as well. So Mm -hmm. six of us were on that internship. I think the support. That individual internship or that um, program? On the program. But everybody was doing different stuff. um, I had the same internship as another student and then everyone else had different internships. Okay. It was an internship placement company that helped us. So we gave them our professional development materials. We gave them our resumes and CVs and cover letters and all of that. And then they helped place us. So I did an interview. I got the first interview. I uh, The first interview I did, I got the internship for. Mm-hmm. So I was super excited about that. And um, can you actually repeat your question? I feel like I totally derailed. Yeah. No, you're, you, I'm interested in what okay. you're saying. You're yeah. answering. But I think uh-huh. what I asked, we'll, we'll see if anybody wants to play this back and fact check <laughs> me, was how was that different than a similar experience oh. in the U.S.? Okay. Yes. I think... Um, one main difference was just the atmosphere I was in. I mean, I was in a city that was a lot bigger, which I mentioned. I was in a city where um, I didn't know anybody. I think doing an internship in Seattle or the Bay Area where I'm from would have been a lot more familiar because Mm -hmm. just I know the people, I know the major landmarks. If I need directions, I can ask without, you know, having to pull up an app. Um, Coming back to the United States, just being able to understand what people were saying around me was Mm. a a big thing. So I think um, 
again, it was all very, very supported by the faculty and the professors that we were with. Um, my IPE advisor, Pierre Lee, was so helpful during the whole thing. And he brought his wife to China, who is, I believe she works at UWT, but she is um, also like an international relations professor there. And she provided a bunch of perspective. We talked to Roy Robinson, the director of international programs before we left. And we had constant support from the United States, like even when we were alone in China, pretty much. Sure. Mm -hmm. And during that time, what did a like a day in the life of Tanvi look, look yeah. like? Um, I would wake up at around 8 because I had work at 10 and I used to get ready, take a shower, get ready, um, and then go to just a very local, small, I can't even call it a cafe. They were basically selling food like out the window. Sure. Get a couple tea eggs and dumplings for like maybe six quai, so like a dollar total, one whole American dollar total, um, and eat that in, at the front desk of the little apartment building that I was in. Um, I mentioned that I was interning with a friend of mine, so sometimes we'd commute together. Other times we'd have different schedules based on what we were doing. Um, go on the subway, which was about a half a mile walk from where we were staying, so 20-minute subway ride to get to work. And then we would work from 10 to 6 and have a lunch break in between, and I think it was really phenomenal that we had other co-interns that were around our age but were from Germany and Denmark, respectively. So we got to interact with other young adults from completely different walks of life. And I think that was kind of an aha moment for me, like, wow, the world is actually so big and there are mm. people that I can relate to and that I'm meeting that I wouldn't know under normal circumstances. Like, I wouldn't even know these people existed. Um, and then at 6, we would get off work Twice a week, we'd have a Mandarin lesson, mm -hmm. so we'd take the subway to another location. All six of us would have a Mandarin lesson for about an hour and a half and then come back, have a super late dinner. We were all famished at this point, get some street food, which is amazing. I think that's what I miss the most. <laughs> and then, yeah, go to sleep and do it all over again. Weekends were fun, though. There was a lot of stuff to do on the weekends. What's a weekend look like? What's um, a Saturday look like? Get up late, usually get breakfast, explore, go to a museum, go to a park, um, catch up with friends that, you know, you have just met, go to a cafe. I met a lot of my other friends who were from Puget Sound, their co-intern friends or their co-worker friends. Sure. So one of them took us to a cat cafe, which was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, we went to like a lot of rooftop bars and then at night just like the nightlife, engaging, engaging sure. nightlife, which was fun. People often talk about study abroad as a trans formational experience, mm -hmm. right? I, I was one way and I came back changed. Mm -hmm. Or I learned something to the point that you've been making mm -hmm. so huge and fundamental that I never really internalized in the same way. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like that happened for you? Did you feel like you came back with fundamentally different goals, plans, mm -hmm. understandings of the world or yourself? I think I should um, let it be known that my study abroad was very short term. Sure. So I was only in China for two months over the summer and two weeks last winter. Yeah. So that's vastly different from an entire semester. Sure. And I totally acknowledge that those experiences are probably a lot more transformational. I'd like to say I stayed relatively the same person. I think I'm just used to more of an efficient lifestyle mm -hmm. after coming back. I mean, I whenever like I'm stuck in traffic or something, I think to myself, the subway would have been so much faster right. or something along those lines. But I think there are a lot of pros and cons to doing a short-term study abroad. And the fact that I was working maybe 
um, was different from students that get to spend hours in a classroom with a hundred different people their same age. So I think those are probably more of what contributes to those life-changing experiences. Mm. Um, But I think working abroad, and that was my first ever internship. So my first ever internship was not even in this country. But (laughs) I think I learned a lot about my work habits and my work style and things like that, which are important in a different way. But I think it's more just self-awareness and um, expectations of how I perform in terms of work and things like that. When I studied abroad, which now is five years ago, which mm-hmm. is a stressful thing to think about, mm-hmm. um, I remember feeling very similarly, actually, that it was mm-hmm. illuminating for me. I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I went to Madagascar, mm-hmm. which is distinctly different from the U.S., right, mm-hmm. in a yeah, lot of I ways. And so it was illuminating for me about some things I'd been learning academically. But to the point that you just made, I think the thing that feels like it remains the most valuable for me is that I learned who I was in a different context. Yes. So it almost put a spotlight on the things that were fundamentally true about me Mm -hmm. and allowed me to experience that in a way that was really different than, oh, I think this is true because I always see it against the Tacoma landscape to say, okay, well, the same thing stayed true Mm -hmm. when I saw it against a completely different contrasting background Mm -hmm. was that sticks with me as something that really felt was unexpected. I agree. I think I just, you know, know my preferences and abilities more. I mean, I know that I prefer to get up early and work through the Mm -hmm. day and get to come home earlier than start late and end late. Right. Um, I know what I like in terms of I have to always be early to a certain place and I can never be late and things like that. So I think I learned a lot, again, about my work ethic and my work habits and preferences, but I don't think I had like a very big fundamental change in terms of that. Again, maybe it's because I'd been to Asia before and I've had experiences Mm -hmm. with Asian culture before just at home and also while traveling. But Well, and I should frame my question too and say I didn't mean to imply nor do I think that you have to, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the ways that I think people sometimes set themselves up for failure is this Mm -hmm. idea that like, oh, I have to have a big moment. And sometimes you're having an impactful experience a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think I had not that big one, but I wasn't really, I didn't set myself up for that. I knew that, you know, I'm here to work, I'm here to learn. um, And if I learn something about myself along the way, then that's awesome. But I'm not going to learn something about myself, if that makes sense. Sure. Mm -hmm. What do bakeries, industrial design, waterproof notebook paper, and investment management for cryptocurrencies have to do with each other? Hi, I'm Ryan Del Rosario, Assistant Director of Admission and School of Music Admission Coordinator. All four of the things I listed are businesses that were founded by entrepreneurial Puget Sound alums, and you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash stories. Now back to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. As promised, mm-hmm. I want to get to your ands list. Okay. So we've already established that you're a business leadership major mm-hmm. and an international political economy major, mm-hmm. and you have an Asian studies minor. Mm-hmm. What else is there? And? And um, I am a tour guide with the Office of Admissions. Thank you. Yes, I love being a tour guide. 
Um, I am also a student engagement team coordinator with the Office of Admissions. So I do a lot of social media marketing and things along those lines with actually my best friend, Anna, who (laughs) is in many different activities with me. And this is just another one of the same things we do. Um, I'm the two-term president of my sorority. And I also work in the Center for Experiential Learning as a program assistant. Will you explain that last one? I think many of those other things are self-evident, but (laughs) what's experiential learning? What's your job? Yeah, experiential learning, I like to describe it as a department that helps students realize all of the learning that they can do outside of the classroom. So it has a really big emphasis on reflection and self-reflection, especially. I think one of the most beneficial things, again, maybe it's just a business major in me, I think the (laughs) fact that they help a lot with professional development. So there are classes just for you to get resume prep help and interview questions help and things like that. And those are all activity credits. So they count as a quarter unit credit towards your graduation requirement. And I know so many people that have gotten internships through those courses and have been able to get jobs later and they can tie it all back to those classes relating to professional development. But we also do a lot of reflection activities. So, for example, through my field study, we actually paired with experiential learning to develop a reflection set of questions and help us with our final field study projects. Um, So there's a lot of emphasis on study abroad and what that can do. Um, A lot of emphasis on volunteering and how to get benefits from that and how to kind of give what you're getting from the community. So a lot about outside the classroom learning. And one of the things that I, because I spend so much time talking to mm-hmm. students and families, high school students and families about Puget Sound and about the way that college might transform your life, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot about experiential learning. And one of the things that feels true to me, you should say if this feels true to you from mm-hmm. your vantage point, is that one of the most useful things about those kinds of experiences is that at a liberal arts college, if you're getting a liberal arts degree, you have to do a little bit of work to figure out where to put it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you go to a technical school Mm -hmm. and you study dental hygiene, you pretty much know what your job is going to be when you graduate. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not going to take that degree or that training and become an accountant. Yes. Mm -hmm. But if you are getting a history degree, you have a lot of different places you could take that. Yes. But there's not a job labeled history. You're not going to take it in a straight line. Mm -hmm. So if you have already done the work of getting out in the world, putting your knowledge to work, figuring out what you like and are good at, figuring out what you do not like Mm -hmm. or are not good at, Mm -hmm. then you have a huge jump when you graduate on trying to figure out what comes next. Yes. And I think the best part... I did have an aha moment at at experiential Mm -hmm. learning. I realized all the benefits of being a business major or kind of a not typically what you think of when you think liberal arts major Mm -hmm. at a liberal arts school. And I think the emphasis on interdisciplinary skills and cross-discipline skills that we or we as a university really try to angle towards prospective families comes true in so many different ways. I mean, in order to be an IPE major, you need to take a sociology class. And I've learned so much from sociology that I can tie back to my business at the base of the parent class. So Mm. there's a lot of um, kind of interpretation that you can do in terms of what you're picking up and moving to a different class. But there's a lot of crossover 
some of it is listed on a course syllabus and the other part of it you just kind of do on your own and you think, oh, I totally learned about that in like my first class I took in macroeconomics and now I can apply it to Asian studies or mm -hmm. something. So I think that's been the most beneficial part about working for EL. And fundamentally what you're saying is the purpose of the liberal arts, mm -hmm. right, is that if you like to learn, if you have a little bit of courage, if you can think carefully about how to articulate what you could, just to stick with the history major example, mm -hmm. my favorite thing I've ever heard anybody say about mm -hmm. the value of a liberal arts degree is that if you think that being a history major is about the volume of civil war facts you can cram into your head, mm -hmm. that perhaps is not the route to professional success. Okay, yeah. I but if that. instead what you say is being a history major is about taking a lot of different sources of information mm -hmm. of varying quality and putting them together to say something that mm -hmm. I've thought about critically or to shed new light on existing information mm -hmm. or to communicate something complicated to somebody with a very little understanding of it. Yeah. Suddenly those are the types of things that people hire for yes. that are marketable and that are critical to living in the world. Yes, so I if you've agree. already had a little bit of experience of that in class through through experiential learning, excuse me, or in college, mm -hmm. you're you're ahead of the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that's kind of the point of the work that the program assistants and our other faculty members are doing as part of experiential learning. And we should point out, too, that it's pretty cool that students are involved in organizing some of those yeah, experiences sure. and mm -hmm. doing some of that work, right? Mm -hmm. That there is a grassroots component yes. to you having this job and yes. being involved in it. Yeah, I think it's great that, you know, our opinions are heard. We're asked for our um, expertise and perspective as students. I, as a sophomore, was asked to take the um, reflective immersive sophomore experience, which is the internship class I mentioned, to give my perspective from both a work level and, and I'm a sophomore that wants an internship perspective. So right. I think it's great that they really want us to contribute as much as possible. For a high school student who is thinking about Puget Sound, who's mm -hmm. thinking about the liberal arts, who's mm -hmm. interested in it, from within experiential learning, what's your perspective on how accessible those types of things are? I, I hear oftentimes a lot of anxiety around, like, how will I get an internship? Can I get an internship? Mm -hmm. How many students study abroad? And as someone, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking that you're someone that's done a lot of those things. Yes, I right? would like to think so. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give the same advice that my parents give to me when they drop <laughs> me off. Uh, my parents said, there are so many resources here for you. All you need to do is take them up yeah. on it. I mean, you can go to career and, and employment services and ask about, you know, I've, I've been in career and employment services and been like, help me. I need someone to look over my resume and they will do it. And you can go into experiential learning and say, hey, I really need help on how to write this cover letter and they will do it for you. So I think it's very accessible and a lot of what makes you arbitrarily successful or not is whether you have the drive and the personal commitment to yourself to go and chase those opportunities because they are there and they're just waiting for someone to take them up on it. Tanvi, we end all of our conversations by asking everybody the same four sure. questions. Mm -hmm. Question one is what's the best place on campus? Hmm. The best place on campus, I think, for me, 
This is super nerdy, but I do have to study a lot. It is the first floor of the library. It's where I get all my work done. Um, I'm really chatty, so I can't be in the quiet section because I do. I am very, very chatty. So definitely the middle where talking is not glared upon or frowned upon or any of that. I think that's where my best in the zone moments come from. What are you reading right now? Uh, this is funny. Um, I'm reading The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. I just read The Da Vinci Code all by Dan Brown. All my cousins have read it, and they were all on me to read it because I was looking for a winter break book. I try to read two to three books a semester to keep myself sane that are, like, non-school. Right. Yes. So I was given The Da Vinci Code, and I feel like Dan Brown has kind of not a good reputation in the author world, but I was given it um, by my cousins since they've all read it, and I'm halfway through, and it's pretty good. So no spoilers. <laughs> What's the best place to eat in Tacoma? Mm, the best place to eat in Tacoma. I that's a tough one. I really like. Um, I really like Mama's. That's a new pho place that I just tried out. It's kind. Of, it's in Lakewood, so it's not in Tacoma, it but it counts. Tacoma adjacent. Um, yes, but my sorority sister recently took me to Mama's for pho, and it was amazing. And I cannot wait to be back. I just went on Friday, but I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> and we're recording on. I think today's a Monday. Yeah, right? today's a Monday. We're recording so on a Monday. I've been thinking so. about it for three whole days. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Tanvi, what makes Puget Sound special? Um, I think the opportunities and the resources that we have here is definitely something that made me stay. I think the fact that, again, all these opportunities and resources are so available and it's just up to you to go chase them. Um, I have a lot of, not to flex, but I have a lot of personal drive and a lot of motivation. And I think that's what's made my experience so special is the fact that all these things are available for me to take them up on. Tanvia Sur, thank you for joining of me course. on the Puget Sound podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound podcast.